When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 216. We're recording on Thursday, June 29th. I'm Rebecca Shinsky here with Jeff O'Neill, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. It's going to I think it's going to be a punchy episode, Rebecca. Oh, well, if the way that this morning has gone is any indication. Yeah. We were just in a pre-show, we were both talking about how punchy we are. Uh, you had stuff going on. We were we were all gearing up. Annotated launched. Episode one is available. So we're up late, sending text back and forth with me and Jeremy and Kyle, and he's editing it and getting it all put together and wringing our hands and making sure everything was in place for this morning. And everything went fine. It was just, you know, extra nuttiness on top mm-hmm. of the already... Um, uh, nutty. Like our baseline is pretty nutty. Yeah, so. we've got shells over the floor, and this is just like a whole bunch of mixed nuts. You know, we got, we got Brazil nuts, hazelnuts, uh, you know, all the. <laughs> I'm just naming nuts. Now. Oh, we're like this is literally nutty at this point. Yeah, I know it's, it's taking very, uh, very obtuse about it. Uh, so anyway, thank you guys all so much for a, a bunch of people have rated the show, are sharing the show, talking about the show, who've downloaded already, subscribed already. I thank you so much for that. It really it means a lot to us. If you haven't tried the show, go try it now. I'll put a link in the show notes annotated you can find it on itunes google play you know basically anywhere there's podcasts you can find it just search for it and uh take a listen the first episode is 25 minutes actually it's it's uh 24 minutes and 57 seconds uh for some reason getting under 25 mattered to me i <laughs> I, I don't uh, you know i can't explain myself arbitrary um, benchmarks for yeah the and it's it's about george orwell 1984 it's got some stuff about trump some some Blow your hair back stuff. I think about the CIA's involvement it in does. 1984. It's so surprising. Um, so I, you know, I would if you if and, and I think I said before, like the deal with this show is it's six episode limited run, and then we're going to decide about doing more. I'd love to do more, but it's a lot of work, and so it needs to do some downloads. Um, and one way, if you want the show to be around longer, is to rate and review it on iTunes, especially Apple That's Podcasts. A super, gosh darn it, they call it Apple Podcasts now. Yes. Go rate and review it over there. It takes two minutes, and that lets other people find the show. And th- that that's the thing that's going to help us um, the most if you if you want to be a part of that. And I don't know. I was saying, should, I was what can we what can we give the people if we like get fifty ratings by like next week or by like is there anything we can oh. do? I, well, I don't know. If you guys have an idea, we don't have to decide right now. But shoot us an email podcast at bookriot.com. Like I, maybe uh, maybe Our, we could do you and me and Jeremy and Kyle could talk for thirty minutes after the show about making the show and all the sure, stuff and yeah. like stuff that didn't make it into the show. I'm just trying to think of what would be interesting. I would say our people. friends here on the Book Riot show know that our shame threshold is pretty low. So no, I'm not dancing. <laughs> it's a podcast, Jeff. Theater of the mind. Oh, I'm I'll dancing just, right now. I'm dancing right now. I'll then. just describe you dancing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, like, like your leg was broken. Uh, and so, yeah, go check it out. I really would like, I think if you listen to this show, you're really going to f- like it. Um, I think we're proud of the show. There's some things we don't like. It's our first one, but I think you probably won't notice that. But um, we want it to be a good show. And if you have specific feedback about the show or you have ideas for future episodes, there, it has its own dedicated, dedicated email, annotatedbookwrite.com. 
Anything right. else we should say about that right now? No, I'm excited that it's out in the world. I yeah. love this part of our jobs where it's like you get to excitedly launch a new thing yes. for exactly five minutes, and then it's like back to <laughs> the rest of making the well, things. We, like in an hour, we're recording. We're starting to record episode two, so we don't get much time. <laughs> yeah. Constant forward motion, but it feels Clint, good. Clint feels this good. morning is like, "Are you excited? Do you feel relief?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm in. I'm in the Google Doc right now, like trying to figure stuff out. I can't rest. Um, I'll feel relieved in uh, what, like, twelve weeks when it's over. Yeah, and right." Like, how did Early that September, go? Yeah. <laughs> when the fog lifts. Um, that, I think that's it. You better roll this into our first sponsor Alcrate. here. Alcrate. Talked to him a few times, uh, which is awesome. The thing I want to talk about right now is that it's a, a themed box each month where you get a YA book and some goodies that go along with it. I don't know if I hit the themed part hard enough the last couple mm. of reads. And a lot of the items included in the box are handmade from small businesses, and most of them are exclusives. You can't find that stuff anywhere else. I think that's like, that's part of the fun of these things, right? Is like, you get the book, which, you know, you can buy books wherever, but like, what's the theme? How are they presenting it? What's the, what kind of enters you into the world and gives you a, a little uh, a, 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 a microclimate around the book uh, to enjoy. They also begun, send, so this is YA, the main box is YA focused, but they also been sending out books um, for younger readers, for kids, called Alcrate Jr., or people who are young at heart, um, tailored to kids ages 8 to 12. At least one of the three to five things that are included in each Alcrate Jr. is a usable activity. So you can you know read a book and then do something else around the same theme, which is pretty cool. They've also been experimenting um, with exclusive cover designs, which is really smart, I think, where mm-hmm. you get the book. Like I said, you can get a book anywhere, except maybe not. Maybe you can't get this version of the book anywhere. So you go check that out. Go to alcrate.com. If you use offer code BOOKRIOT10, all one word, you can get 10% off. That's Alcrate. Go check them out. All right. Should we kick off the news this week by talking about how I'm right? I, I would love to I would love to talk about that. <laughs> I think it, to be true to the prediction that we made, I can't be too excited about this because I was like, oh, you know, this was not yeah. deep sleuthing. But you Oprah, said before you small laurels for getting this right. Small laurels. Yeah, small yeah. laurels, tiny laurels. Um which is like I guess tiny bubbles. I don't know. Tiny um, bubbles. <laughs> welcome. Okay, careful, careful, to, careful. Don't Let's, get fired. I see the rails. Let's go back over there. <laughs> Let's go over there. I see. Oprah announced her new book club pick this week. It was, in fact, Behold the Dreamers by mm. Mbolo Mbue, which is newly out in paperback, and it won the 2017 Penn Faulkner Award for Fiction. Great book. I loved it. One of my favorites of last year. And as Oprah herself said, it's everything our culture is grappling with right now, at least many of the things about race and class, about the economy, immigration, the dangers of us versus them mentality. So when you read it, it'll feel very modern, like it's happening right now. And underneath the story pumps everything we love about a story, heart and soul of family love, the pursuit of happiness, and actually what home really means. So I guess congratulations to me. Uh, for well, this is about you. It's not about Mbolo <laughs> Buey's debut novel being picked by Oprah and changing her life. It's not about that. It's about you basically making a almost uh, a terrifyingly guarantee. Yeah, right. You called your called your you called your you, you called your moderate shot. I sure did. <laughs> um, I can't really think of a better thing that could happen to a debut novelist, especially. Um, I guess we were, only I think, if it was in hardcover, right? That'd right, be the only thing. Yeah, that's thing. true. Yeah, and as we were talking about 
last week. Made like, into this a book movie by Oprah. Really, right. All the things. You get the full right. Oprah treatment. Um, yeah, right. It was widely acclaimed, but didn't really seem to get like the sales surge in hardcover that was expected. So I certainly hope for Mbolo Mbue that this will be huge. The book is wonderful and should really be widely read. I've got a question for you related. Did you watch um, Master of None season two yet? Not yet. We're have you seen to... season one? I have seen season one. Okay. There's an episode. I don't want to spoil it. I can't now. I'm not. I'm not in a cul-de-sac. I'm in a discussion cul-de-sac. I can't go anywhere. Let's get out of here. And once you, <laughs> once you finish season two, we'll talk about it. There's something related to Behold the Dreamers I wanted to talk to you about. And I was okay spoiling it for you, but not for the oh. thousands of people listening that haven't watched it, apparently. I don't know what the ethics of this are. Um, but anyway, at least I could have said spoiler horn, whatever, skip ahead. But let, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm just trying I, to I, finish I Better out, Call Saul. <laughs> I, I, I did a whole little you know, Greek play in my head there. Uh, <laughs> These things happen. Speaking of 1984, actually, I'm segging back two stories ago, <laughs> I guess, is how I'm working about there's a, there is a Broadway play of 1984 that just opened to the public, I think on Thursday. It was in previews before. Mm-hmm. And is Olivia Wilde in it, or did she produce she is, it? I'm yeah. not sure. I, I, that's, I think I first heard about it. I think she's in it. And um, as one might imagine, it's intense, but it is so intense that people are like hacking stuff up and passing out. They're like, they're like, they're like, they're like puking and fainting. Yeah, um, Olivia Wilde is Julia, Julia, and Tom yeah. Sturridge plays Winston, the main character. Um, which, if you've listened to this week's episode of Annotated, you know a little bit more a about them, about, or, yeah, or, right. or if you've read the book. But there are torture scenes in the book, and they mm. have not shied away from representing those graphically um, on on stage. Uh, so people are really having some visceral responses to it, um, which seems like a healthy way to respond to seeing a graphic representation of torture on a stage in front of you. Yeah, Um, I guess so. uh, I guess always kind of surprising. The the play, it says, does come with a warning and an age restriction that there are flashing lights, strobe effects, loud noises, gunshots, smoking, and graphic depictions of violence and torture. It's not suitable for children under the age of 14. Um, And they have security guards posted around the Hudson Theater in order to monitor the audience reactions. Um, the cops and- got called in at one point to, to break up a fight after yeah. one staging. Um, audience members yelled at the actors, begging them to stop. I mean, if you've read 1984, you probably won't be surprised that the the scene in question, especially here, is the one about Room 101, where Winston is being tortured. And the way they stage it, there's loud noises and bright lights, and there's a lot of blood effects. I, I mean, as bad as you can probably... You know, short of seeing someone actually get tortured, this is probably as close you'll actually ever see to what a brainwashing slash torture scene would be like. Um, I guess so. That's watch out. And mm-hmm. 1984 really is in the air. Like that's the, one it of the really things that is. got us to do this episode was about how much 1984 is in the air. You can listen, draw the justifications for that and why that might be right now. But um, I guess this one, I mean. The thing about a Broadway play, though, this is like it must have been years in the making. You just don't turn this around. Like that's one thing I know about Broadway mm-hmm. is like. So I guess, I mean, it's bad that the timing feels appropriate, but good for the production company that they right, that they, they kind of out. or maybe they had a sense of the zeitgeist and like yeah, this is going to be um, this is going to be something that people are going to care about. So anyway, uh, re- remarkable. I don't think I've ever heard of 
I mean, I don't follow Broadway that closely, but mm-hmm. I lived in New York and had people in the theater business that I talked to. But like passing out and puking is uh, next level. <laughs> that's not. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. Um, I, we talked about this story a while ago when we first heard that Jessica, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker was getting her own imprint at Hogarth, which is a part of Crown, which is a part of. P- <laughs> um, right? Do I have that right? Do I have the genealogy? I think though that's the order that the dolls nest in. Hogarth yeah. is part of Crown, which is an imprint of Random House, which is part of Penguin Random House. Is it is it Leviticus? That part of the Bible where it's all the begots? Be- I feel like yeah, I always the, feel like I'm doing the begots when we're doing this stuff. Yeah, be- they begat, begat. Yeah. So and so we finally heard about her first pick, and she was at the ALA conference apparently um and the pick is oh i just lost the, the I've title got it. okay do it it's Help a me out. um debut novel from a graduate of the iowa writers work- workshop which is tentatively titled a place for us by fatima farheen mirza um, and it follows an indian american family that's reunited on the eve of the eldest daughter's wedding um, tackles issues of belonging and tradition and delving into the complex experience of an immigrant family uh, in the contemporary U.S. Mm. Um, the piece here in the New York Times notes that unlike other celebrities that have launched their own imprints, like Gwyneth Paltrow, who publishes health and wellness books, um, Oprah publishes, you know, a lot of like self-helpy memoiry kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. Sarah Jessica Parker, it was clear, I guess, in the setting up of this imprint that she wants to focus on literary fiction. Um, and she talks about how it's largely due to the books that her mother read um, when she was growing up and that her mom was such a reader that she insisted that Sarah Jessica and all of her siblings always leave the house with a book even before they could read. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. So she's talking about really that, like, you know, sort of family culture of growing up a reader. Uh, and while she was at the ALA conference, she is working on their book club central initiative is, and is going to recommend four books per year to be featured on that platform. And the first one she has selected, it came out earlier this spring. It's mm-hmm. called No One Is Coming to Save Us by Stephanie Powell Watts. Um, so, Which I really seems... liked. I really liked Oh, did you? Book. I haven't read yeah, that Yeah, I did. Yet. I did read that one. Yeah. In my in my great um, reading sprint of it. You're on like such, you were on a real kick this year. No, it's a thing. Like I need, you know, it's a thing. Maybe I'll write about it later, but like it's a thing. Um, And you know, that book club pick, I was wondering, is like, ah, is it going to be a Hogarth crown pierce? But it's from Echo, which mm-hmm. is, again, help me, SNS, right? Uh, Echo is Harper. Harper. Echo is HarperCollins. Echo is HarperCollins. Okay. So <laughs> she she's not just, um, you know, promoting stuff in her own house. Right. She went outside the house for this other book club, which I think is very cool. Um, yeah. Very. It's uh, Stephanie Powell Watts. It's uh, coming back to North Carolina, um, black family story situation. Really, really, really great. Yeah. Um, and on April. Uh, between that and the selection for the first book on her imprint, I think one of the contributors was noting on mm-hmm. our back channel that it seems like she uh, really is going to hopefully focus on uplifting marginalized voices, or at least that's yep. the direction she's gone in her first two big public book selection endeavors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it's a cool good start. To see too. A very it is promising a good start. start. Yeah. Um, like that. It sounds like if we could ever get her, like you, maybe you dust off a special reading lives for Sarah Jessica Parker. She's got she she could she could hang for fifty minutes. It sounds like oh that would be Easily. fun to listen to. Easily could do that. Uh, all right, let's do one more story before we hit another spot. Oh, millennials! 
Oh, the millennials. We haven't got to do real stats in a while. I just realized this. Let's talk about some millennials. All right. Well, our our faves over at the Pew Research Center yes. conducted a study from data that was collected in the fall of 2016. So this is pretty fresh mm-hmm. that 53% of millennials, uh, and that's those ages 18 to 35 at the time, say they used a library or bookmobile in the previous 12 months. That makes them the group most likely to say, that they've used a library um, compared Mm -hmm. to 45% of Gen Xers, 43% of baby boomers, and 36% of those in the silent generation, which I guess is also the greatest generation. Um, but that's, Wait, where is that? I lost. I lost. It's in the, oh, like, oh, I'm saying the silent generation? Yeah, it says the silent generation, which I've not heard... No, that's the, I think that's the generation that was like, didn't go to war. Like they were like 10 during the war. Oh, right. I so think they're I've 71 to 88 right Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the millennials are not actually ruining reading. Um, this was the headline on one of our critical linking pieces sometime in the it last blew week. Up. It went crazy. Everyone, <laughs> like everyone retweeted this thing. Nico I was getting, Case retweeted I was gonna it. Did say, you see I that? I got texts yeah. from people like, so I follow Nico Case on Twitter and Nico Case is retweeting Book Riot about millennials using the library. Yeah. What is your life? I know. It was, it's, it was funny how that really, I mean, we have, for a book site, we have a younger um, mm-hmm. audience. I mean, and, uh, so I'm not surprised at this, but also... You know, they're out there eating their avocado toast, not buying houses. They're at the library. That's <laughs> right, where they have, are. You don't have money to buy books because yeah, avocado you gotta, toast. Cause, so cause you need the library. I think I just crossed the memes. You're not supposed to do that in <laughs> Ghostbusters. You, you you call a fourth gozer. Um, so yeah, really interesting study. I don't know. Did you see? There's this, this other data that there's this other graph with like broken lines in it that made mm. my head face fall off because I couldn't understand it. I was looking for like longitudinal data where oh, 20 yeah. years ago were the 18 to 35. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is this specific to millennials or do people 18 to 35 over time use the library more? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. We don't know. Like, we don't were, know. The baby, were the baby boomers more active library users when they yeah. were 18 to 35? That's a really good... That is a really um, good question. That longitudinal right stuff right now, there's a pretty... You could draw a pretty easy slope... Um, as you get older, use the library less, right? Mm-hmm. Did, it could be. I mean, again, I like the headline: millennials are using libraries more. Everyone else, yay, millennials! I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to piss all over that. But I do just want to say cautiously: it could be that if you just went back twenty years, this graph looks the same. You know what? Even if that's the truth, I'm fine with it because the headline is still the kids aren't ruining everything. It's just well, that, like, I'm just right saying. Now, but what if twenty years ago? And- what if twenty four years ago? 71%. We just don't know. We don't have anything to compare uh, it to. Right. It could be less, but it's yeah. still the most. Sure, sure, sure. But I just, <laughs> you know what I like to do here? I like to sort of ruin it. <laughs> I just want to applaud Book Media for finally having a headline that's not about how everything is going to hell. Yeah, I know. Right. That's right. That's funny. Um, Let's see. What else? Uh, four in 10 millennials used a library website in the past 12 months, which seems very high to me, just mm-hmm. as an absolute number, not connecting it, you know, not even trying to compare it to how, how bad other people are or whatever. That number seems really high. Um, 31% of adults used a library website in the past 12 months. One in three? That That seems... I mean, I guess I believe the study, but boy, that seems high to me. Mm. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Anything else? There was something else I highlighted here. Uh, college graduates are more likely than those 
whose education ended with a high school diploma to use libraries or bookmobiles in the past 12 months, 56% versus 40%. I thought that was interesting. Um, Yeah, I guess that tracks with all the things that we know that go, that are related to education attainment and income, spare time, all that business. Right. So yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, Let's see. I think that's, that's, that's the highlight. That's the highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, the silent generation does not like to use the library websites. Eleven percent, <laughs> um, a steep drop because the boomers twenty four percent, so more than double. Right. Um, but there's a steep drop off there. Um, cool, that's a good one. Uh, you want to hear about our next sponsor? Yeah, we better we better do the next sponsor. We, we're it's, doing good on time, but let's yeah, do we are. Sponsor. For once, we're like we're just kind of cooking right along. Uh, the, the next sponsor this week is Leaving Lucy Pear. It's a novel by Anna Solomon. Uh, this is set in 1917. Beatrice Haven sneaks out of her uncle's house on Cape Ann, Massachusetts, and leaves her newborn baby at the foot of a pear tree. Then watches as another woman claims the infant as her own. The unwed daughter Me. of wealthy Jewish, uh, right? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) The unwed daughter of wealthy Jewish industrialist and a gifted pianist bound for Radcliffe, B plans to leave her shameful secret behind and make a fresh start. But 10 years later, prohibition is in full swing. It's post-World War I America in the grips of rampant xenophobia and B's hopes for her future remain unfulfilled. So this is a literary novel about the abandonment of a child and her rediscovery 10 years later, delves into questions of class, freedom, the meaning of family. You've got that really tumultuous, fascinating time around the prohibition and the prohibition. It's a the, you know, the one. Yeah, um, right. And the roaring 20s. The novel, uh, the author calls this a novel of secrets and shame. It was chosen as a must-read book for summer of 2016 by Time Magazine, in style, good housekeeping, the millions, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, and book page. It's out in paperback now. Um, sounds like a great summer read once again. So that's Leaving Lucy Pear, P-E-A-R, like the fruit by Anna Solomon. We'll have a link to it in the show notes, or you can pick it up wherever books are sold. It does sound interesting. I love it when I'm reading through notes for a sponsor and halfway through it's like, oh, I just sold myself this. <laughs> oh book. yeah, and I wait a minute, hold on a second. I got good write job this marketing one down. people who wrote the copy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's go down, down, down. You know, this. Speaking of things that blew up on the site this week, um, mm-hmm. this TSA policy may lead to increased scrutiny of reading material. So the headline is, I guess the headline is worse than what it's actually about. Um, it's the TSA is going to pull out books to look at them, but it's not to to screen for what people are reading. It's 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 like having to take your shoes off. Like you could, people could do like what's the what's the uh, Shawshank Redemption where he like carves out the thing mm-hmm. in the book to keep his little rock hammer in. It's more like that as far as I can tell. Yeah, so uh, it's the, a little strange. The explanation for it is like here's the how the dominoes have fallen is that mm-hmm. because checked luggage fees are so high from most airlines, more travelers than ever are motivated to pack their carry-on bags very densely so that they mm-hmm. don't have to check luggage. Densely packed carry-on bags are really difficult to screen in the yeah. X-ray screening tools. And so TSA says that they are looking for a way to make those screening processes still be useful. Like 
that this assumes that they are useful. Yeah, it's not um, just security theater, right? Right, now, which right. is a whole other thing. Whole other thing right. um, but they're saying one of the things they need to do is remove dense items like books and paperwork and stuff from your carry-on bags so that they can do the screening more effectively. Of course, the concern then is in the process of doing this, like what if they pull out a book that that particular TSA agent happens to not like or uses to profile you in some fashion? Like it wouldn't like there are already, you know, widespread stories and have been for years about like U S citizens being denied entry back into the country because they were wearing a head wrap. It happened to a black woman that I know last week, like flying back into the country. Daniel Henderson, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, She was tweeting about it. Um, that, she was flying back into the country after spending a week in Paris. She has her hair in braids and had wrapped it up in a big scarf. Um, she was born and raised in the U.S., has a U.S. passport. Customs would not let her back into the country because they didn't, I guess, like the looks of her. Uh, and and she was tweeting then about how she was going to be reaching out to the ACLU. So the the concern is, like, what if you're carrying a copy of the Quran in your right in your bag and the TSA agent makes some conclusions about who you are based on that. And moreover, just the general like privacy and sensitivity around our reading material. Um, mm-hmm. There was a story, we didn't talk about it on the show, I don't think, but there was a, a smaller story that came out about this a few weeks ago, I guess before TSA had really commented on it, that um, Roxanne Gay was tied to. She was flying through the Midwest. She was at Kansas City International, mm. um, which is a really small airport if you've never flown through there. It's a small, like basically, it says international, but it's basically a regional airport. Um, the security situation is set up really differently than most yeah. of the large airports, and they use it to test out new screenings because it's smaller, and I guess that's a good place to troubleshoot. So she wrote a about how she was flying through and they asked her if she would remove books from her bag and she refused. Um, And that like refusal to do a thing became the story. Um, So it's already being tested in some airports. And I think the link that we'll have in the show notes is from an ACLU piece about it. But there are a lot of concerns about um, like, would, is this really justified? Um, What kind of violation might it be to, you know, pull someone's private reading material out of, their bag. Um, how might this affect discrimination against travelers? That sort of thing. But yeah, lots I of, guess lots of chatter. I guess it's sort of a. I mean, just because it's a slippery slope argument doesn't mean there's not a slope there, right? I guess that's what I was trying to say. It's like, well, how many books? I mean, there's a lot of books out there. Like, how many books would a TSA person really even know to be? To how would he? Would they even know enough about most books to? profile people with them. But it's certainly possible. I mean, you can be profiled for any number of reasons. And if there's just one more, I guess that's bad, right? There's one more reason they can pull it out and like find a reason to to give you a hard time or whatever. Uh, If they're looking for an excuse to give someone a hard time. I think it also just speaks to like, this is beyond the scope of books, but it speaks to the general like distrust that there are reasons for most of the TSA policies, you know, like yes. there's a, there's a widespread enough sense of it, some of it being security theater, mm-hmm. um, that it's like, is, is this really necessary? Like, why should we believe these supposed reasons over, right. you know, right. where some of the other supposed reasons have been proven to not be effective. Like there have been studies about some of these screening process. Like, I got to tell you, I don't, I'm not embarrassed about anything that I read. I just don't care, but I right. would, like be testy at a TSA agent making me take my books out of 
my bag. It For just, whatever reason, whatever that thing is that like that sets off the chemical thing, my, I always set that off. It's probably mm-hmm. all the cocaine I'm bringing. I don't know. <laughs> but like they've got to do that little tissue paper on the little tiny metal thing and open mm-hmm. up your bag. So I, I, and again, I don't know. It's my deodorant. Who knows? It's, it's noxious. I'm not sure. So I'm just sort of used to like my bag getting up, getting opened up every time. On the other hand, I don't get profiled. You know, yeah, so I was it, it, say, so I yeah, yeah, white male, but like I'm just already used to what my stuff getting looked at, but I'm also not at risk for being profiled or detained or otherwise harassed. So yeah, I'd be They're curious to hear. I'd be curious Robinson. to hear what other. I mean, I'd be curious to hear what our listeners think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot us an email bookwrap podcast. Oh, yeah, I would. I oh, would love ahead, to know ahead, how concerned or not. That our readership and listeners are. I didn't put this into the agenda, but I meant to. Um, feedback oh. from last week. Our, our listeners are mostly pretty excited about a new John Green novel. They got mm-hmm. we got an email. They said we're inter- we're interested. A couple of uh, not so much anymore, but on the whole, the responses we got back, yeah, pretty excited. Um, All right, so we were just wrong. <laughs> I th- you know I th- I felt like we might have known we were wrong a little bit. Did you feel that way? Like No, I was like, where's the... I, I must... It really must be my filter bubble because yeah. I did not see the John Green Muppet arm engine happen. Right, right. No, I didn't see it either, but I'm like, I feel like I'm wrong about this. That That's one of the going... I was like, you know, I, I wouldn't bet my life that I'm right about this particular one. Um, not that me betting my life about me being right about things would be a smart thing in general to do, but this one I, I felt even less... Uh, 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 com- com- confident about. Um, so yeah, good. We're looking at turtles all the way down. Coming out soon. Uh, let's see. Apparently, Green uh, and Hank have been talking about their works and project for a while. So, to the nerd, the nerd fighters out there, it wasn't a complete shock. Like there had been a little mm-hmm. bit of um, a foreshock before this Yo, was released. Yeah. And somebody on our back channel mentioned that they knew maybe from YouTube that. John Green had been like signing, like signing a bunch of books to have or, or getting ready to do signings or something for pre-order copies for a while. So they knew it was going to be coming out. Right. Like the publisher knew it was going to be coming out this fall. So still no one has figured out like why not announce it at mm-hmm. BookCon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm like the thinky face emoji about that. I Someone really had like a reason that I didn't understand, but... Um... <laughs> You know, I would just I don't like know. to know the reason. I'm curious. I think the reason is, you know, this is Occam's Razor, right? It wasn't ready. They may, maybe they just locked the title later. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's the, if they could have, they would have, but they couldn't, so they didn't. Um, so there's her. Uh, Lavar, should we talk about Lavar? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we should just have you listened talk to this yet? LeVar. Have you, have I you tried this? No. Yeah. So Lavar Burton uh, released started a new podcast called LeVar Burton Reads, and basically it is, he's reading stories to you. Mm-hmm. Handpicked short stories to read to adults every Tuesday. And the first one I don't know what, is, I don't, I mean, there it is, that's what it is. Yeah, they're about 30 minutes each. The first yep. one is Kin, K-I-N, by Bruce McAllister, which is a Hugo Award-nominated sci-fi story. Mm-hmm. Um, and... LeVar Burton, like, he knows how cool he is. There's a quote yeah. in this piece that says, a bucket list item for a lot of millennials is having LeVar Burton read them a bedtime story. And this is what LeVar Burton is saying of himself and why he started this podcast. You know, I did not realize that this was a thing that I wanted, but I I think I want to give this 
a shot. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to stay awake for right. it. Right. Well, that's <laughs> like, I think that's a fall asleep to award-winning stories. Yeah, There's fine. publishing in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> award-winning stories you can fall asleep to. You know, I think we just hit on one of the problems books have, maybe. I think we maybe just found something. Everything is boring. Everything. Uh, <laughs> um, the meditation app that I use is called Calm, and it has yep. sleep stories in it that are basically like, listen to someone with a soothing voice read you 35 minutes of John Weir's essay about Yosemite. Oh, or, there you go. Or listen to someone with a soothing voice read you The Velveteen Rabbit, which that's for crying yourself to sleep, yeah. like, first of all. You know what um, I need? I need, like, an audiobook version of Ken Burns' National Park series, because I find <laughs> them sort of interesting, but also they're basically the media version of Tylenol PM for me. Because, like, are. I turn one on, and I'm like, what is happening? I, I can't move I my hands. love Why? the national parks, but I have tried to watch that documentary more times than I can it count. Is, and I, I love Ken Burns. Can't. But it is crazy boring. It is, it is so cra- boring. It's crazy it's so boring. boring. It's so and there boring. is there is a channel on the call map called Ben Stein's Teacher, called Ferris Bueller's Teacher, and you just listen to Ben Stein read stuff. Oh, that's that's funny. <laughs> So I feel like if you don't want to pay for a meditation app, but you would like yeah. the dulcet tones of LeVar Burton to read. Or just, I think the Ken this Burns is thing is, uh, the Ken Burns National Park thing is on Netflix. So just put on Netflix and put on your headphones. And just let, <laughs> right. you know, don't look at the video. Or actually, maybe look at the video. It doesn't seem to keep, doesn't bother me. Maybe it's it like helps you fall asleep. They're reading excerpts from like Teddy Roosevelt's letters and talking yeah. about democracy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. George Templeton Strong talking about the, you know, uh, if Martin the Grand Sheen Tetons. had narrated it that it would maybe be different like yeah maybe this can i go is, back I let's go back to lavar doing right now <laughs> what is we got off the, we got off the rails we're really if we could even stay within the, uh, a weak gravitational orbit of the royals today i think we're doing okay <laughs> i the, i was gonna go back to jump up a level from mm-hmm. i think this is smart for lavar burton to, the other thing it does i mean now that we've produced like a scripted show and not just talk at each other for an hour we know how hard and how much work it takes to do that mm-hmm. whereas with this Someone else wrote the story. He reads it. And yep. so he doesn't have to do... He just has to show up and be LeVar. Yeah, yeah, right, and use his platform, which is great. I just... It's, it's smart that... There's been some other... People have, like, selected shorts have, does this sometimes, and I think the New Yorker Fiction podcast maybe has... I'm, I hmm. guess I've been wondering is if this, like, a podcast series of short stories is a thing that people actually want, or does it just seem like a good idea? Does that, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, like, and I'm do, just not sure. Do we sure. actually have proof of concept here? I'm not. I'm not sure either. Like, would thirty minutes of a short story be better than mm. Lavar Burton picks some novel that's in the public domain and reads thirty minutes at a time of it? Right. Like. Right. Like a, how you do a big book bedtime story with kids. Um, I wonder also how the rights are working here. Does like oh. does Bruce McAllister? Is he getting paid or is is Lavar? I mean, I'm sure he's not just like. I'm sure they've talked about it and they've figured out a deal, but like, right. does is it an exposure situation? I'm not even using air quotes around exposure for this. Like, this is the kind of thing where right, you might like- give your story away for free because tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, I have no idea, of LeVar Burton book nerds will then hear about you and if they like it, maybe they'll go pick up your book or something. Yeah, I would be curious about it. Curious to know. Curious it's, to know. You know, it's too bad that when LeVar Burton and I met in the airport a few years ago, we he didn't, didn't run like- it by you. He didn't yeah. run it by me. We didn't exchange numbers, so we don't text. Rebecca, here's something I'm thinking about doing about in four years. What do you think? <laughs> I'd have been like, that's great, LeVar. Also. What? Yeah, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, let's do another sponsor. I can't believe I even managed to like make words about that. 
and you're still, you're, yeah, still you're still kind of recovering you're still kind of like you got a little it's, you know there's yeah. just the time before you meet lavar burton jeff and then there's the time after and <laughs> everything in the time after is really just trying to make sense of who you are uh, after al al and bl after lavar and before LeVar LeVar. burton's face <laughs> Let's do another sponsor. I'm so happy to do this sponsor. I can, I've, I've downloaded and I use it a little bit, so I haven't, I haven't um, fully immersed myself in. But the sponsor, the, our last sponsor this week is Libby, Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, by Overdrive, which is the new app built for love for readers to discover and enjoy eBooks and audiobooks from your library. That's right. Overdrive is launching a new revamped app to use with your local library. Created by Overdrive and inspired by library users, Libby was designed to get people reading as quickly and seamlessly as possible. As quickly and seamlessly as possible. It's a one-tap reading app for your library who is a good friend ready to go to the library with you. That's Libby, not the library, because the library wouldn't go to the library with you. That's nonsensical. (laughs) One tap to borrow, one tap to read, one tap to return to your library or bookshelf to begin your next great book. Now, if you've ever used a library app, one tap to borrow, one tap to read, one tap to return, you might be passing out right this now. This is unheard Th- of. This is, it's, it, 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 I, I can't stress enough that this is something that you should check out and see if it really improves your reading experience. You can go to Libby. Let's see. Uh, I don't think I have. Oh, meet.libbyapp.com. Or there's a link in the show notes. Or just, you know, if you Google Libby or Overdrive, you can find it there. See if it's available. I'm not sure. I think it's everywhere. Overdrive. All library systems are using Overdrive, I believe, uh, have access to Libby. I'm not exactly sure. It doesn't say if it's, a, if it's only for certain libraries or not. But go check it out. Um, I'm going to report back more on it after I spend a little bit more time with it. So far, I'm very encouraged. Very encouraged. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing this, Rita. And, and go check it out. I'd like to hear what you guys know, what your experience with Libby are. So what's your value over replacement app? Your Vora um, is for Libby and your uh, your library app you're using for ebooks and audiobooks. Go check it out. Thanks for We've been hearing the show. good things about Libby too from other staff and contributors. Yeah, it seems like people everybody have checked who's it out. It Everyone's like, like, "Hey, this is actually the thing. This is a thing." Uh, very cool for them to do it. So let's. Where do you? We skipped over a couple of things. Where do you want to go? Hmm, you know, let's talk about this Macmillan thing. Yep, briefly, because we cool. when we talk about Libraries diversity and, yep. and inclusion in publishing, we talk about the pipeline problem, and one of those is related to uh, folks from underrepresented groups getting access to professional development. So Macmillan has created the um, Booksellers Professional Development Scholarship for booksellers who are either people of color, who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer, um, or who have disabilities um, from a store that is a member of the Independent Bookseller Association. Um, if they want to attend the fall regional trade show um, for whatever their region of the Independent Booksellers Association is, Macmillan is offering some $500 scholarships to help make that attendance and travel possible for people. Um, so that's cool to see. They don't have to do it because you know they're a publisher. Um, they don't have to affect the pipeline for booksellers, but they're opening up some opportunities there. And there's not a, you know, super huge amount of information in this release that we received, but there'll be a link uh, in the show notes and 
pretty cool to see that happen. I'm I'm just really pleased to see like publishers are starting some of these smaller initiatives. Um, the Independent Booksellers Association, I think, has to be taking note uh, yep. that this is happening. But it's kind of widely known that independent booksellers are not paid super well. Um, no. The foundation, it's Bink, B-I-N-C, it's Booksellers something, something foundation, um, also has a separate fund for booksellers that are undergoing a health crisis. They can apply to get extra funding or help towards their insurance, deductibles, that kind of thing. So there's, a, there's like an acknowledgement that the situation of pay and health insurance and those kinds of things is not awesome for booksellers. And an obstacle, especially from a underrepresented Right. And community. so publishers getting in to help support access to professional development for that is just one piece of the pie that's cool to see. Um, I don't have a link related to this other thing that I'm about to mention, but last week oh. I got an email from somebody at Penguin Random House about their new LGBTQ network. Oh yeah, you um, were we were talking about that in Slack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, they emailed me about it, and I was like, "What is this? Tell me more about it." And so uh, I think it's very new, but internally at Penguin Random House, they've developed a network for LGBTQ identified folks, and I guess I, I think that allies are part of it, but maybe I don't know all of the details. So if you're at PRH or this is something you're interested in, you I'm sure can ask someone and get a good answer. Um, but they're also doing some outward facing things to promote uh, LGBTQ focused books. They were doing a pride giveaway. They have their own, so there's like a, their own social, um, social media accounts for it. So you can follow the PRH LGBTQ group on like Instagram and see books that they're celebrating, giveaways that they're doing. But cool to see that a public, like the biggest publisher is creating uh, that kind of opportunity for employees to support each other, but yeah. also to uplift and celebrate books that go toward that audience as well. Um, so if there's say, more info okay. about it later, I'll find a link for you guys. I was going to say, um, I don't know if you actually said the deadline for the publisher, oh. th the bookseller thing, just because some of you out there might be interested in this or know yeah. oh, certainly yeah. someone who is. The deadline is Monday, July 17th, so it's a couple weeks. You got a couple weeks, but be sure you do that. Well, there'll be a link in the show notes. You can go to binkfoundation.org, uh, B-I-N-C-K. No, what? that's not right. B-I-N-C. B-I-N-C, which is the, uh, uh, as you said, it's the Book Industry Charitable Foundation. We've talked about them before. Uh, a while ago, around um, James Patterson's grants. Oh, right, that's who you he remember? does it through. Mm -hmm. I, he does it through them or with them, and or there's this other. We found out about this organization while we were talking about that. So if you are a if you are a bookseller or know someone who's a bookseller, and falls into a place where they need assistance or there's resources, it's a it's a charitable foundation for people working in the bookselling business. Um, I mean, I guess that tells you what you need to know about bookselling as a profession. I mean, sad. I mean, they're, they're, that's that we not surprised that there's a charitable foundation. There's just it's tough. It's t the bookselling profession is really tough, um, and maybe that's a topic for another day, um, for a whole bunch of reasons. But this is a resource that people who are professional booksellers work for bookstores um, should know about, and I I want to make sure you find out about that if it applies to you. Okay, uh, let's see. You know, we said at one of these times we're going to do our best, our favorite reads. Was that going to be this week? Oh, I don't. We don't have time to do it now. We've we been teasing it. it. We've been teasing yeah, it. Can we, we just talk? Back. We could. We could just have a moment of shared love for the Priest Daddy audiobook. <laughs> 
I got some sound effects in there. <laughs> it's so good. I'm not done with it yet, but you had like, it was in my queue and then people were talking about how great the book was, but then you were like, this is the best audiobook I've maybe ever listened to. <laughs> well, I, again, I, I love the audiobook. I don't know. Listen, don't make me pick between my children, Rebecca. I, but <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to. I will say that um, Patricia Lockwood's impression of her sister oh my gosh, is my, I, I think it is my favorite single performance I've ever heard in audiobook. I'm pretty and, comfortable saying that. And there are some great, like the rest of her performance oh, yeah. is great too. Like her impression of her mom is wonderful. And like the tone that she takes when she talks about her dad, who's a priest yes. who also never wears pants. Like it's. Yes. It's amazing, but I had been waiting and waiting to get to the part with her sister. Oh, yeah, because it doesn't come to like halfway sister. through. You don't meet her right. sister until halfway through. And I through. kept being like, I think I got several hours into the book and I was like, was he maybe just talking about her impressions of her <laughs> was mom? Was he just trolling me? Is like, he just... I mean, the impressions of her mom are good, but it's uh-huh. kind of like it's not that outstanding. And then I got to the sister yeah. and I, it was late at night and I was immediately like, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I think I described it to you as if Nell from the movie Nell... Uh, mm-hmm. If she had a part in Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, that's that's so, that's what it sounds like. It's the mashup you didn't know you needed. And when, so if you li- and if you lis- ever listen to the audiobook out there, folks, um, and you hear it, you'll know how right I am. Man, like, I you'll immediately just know I'm right. If it. you're one of those people who's like on the audiobook fence, or you never listened to an audiobook before, like if anything is going to convert you. Yeah, this it's a, so, it's also a super weird book. Like I love an, the book. It's a she's an interesting. She lives in so, Lawrence, Kansas too, by the way. Which right, is also yeah, weird. there's all this Kansas City stuff. Yeah. Um. So for the folks at home, Patricia Lockwood's mm. father became a Catholic priest after he was married and had children through like yeah. some loophole in the rules that allows for that to happen if you pass the psychopath test. Well, like he was, they were he was a Lutheran priest. Mm-hmm. And then switched over, so they they let you you get you get grandfathered in if you got kids and you move over. So. Yeah, so she's she and writes she's about a poet that and, she's... and her her family is just weird. Or like she meets her husband on in a poetry chat room, like in the early days of internet chat yeah. rooms. And and when she's telling that story, like is this going to go super bad? And it turns out completely anyway. I won't spoil. But she's a wonderful writer. I mean, that's the so other thing. It's like wonderful. oscillates between the 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 profane and the divine and, and by by phrase by like prepositional mm-hmm. phrase she can go from transcendently <laughs> it, beautiful to right. like obnoxious and pretty it's gross like, <laughs> that was gorgeous that was so vulgar that was <laughs> so bad you are going to hell Patricia Lockwood oh wait but so pretty but that was so lovely too at the same time uh, remarkable book I there's a re- I, again I haven't looked at my audiobooks as a group for the year but it, that's certainly um, one of my favorite. I mean, it's there's it's that in fact of the body, which is something else we have to talk about mm. some other time because I, I I need I need more sleep and also maybe drinks to talk about that book. But <laughs> but also on wonderful, yeah, yeah, really good. But yeah, so we we can have a shared priest daddy moment. Um, I think that's our show. Yeah, I think so too. It's been a while since we just had a nice little book moment. Yeah, it is. Uh, so you can find show notes to this and every other back episode of the Book Riot podcast at bookriot.com slash listen. Go check out Annotated. Bookriot.com slash annotated. I'm off next week. I'm going to miss you, but Jen will be here. Yeah. Jen Nor- Jennifer Northington uh, will be here, filling in for me. And then uh, in another week after that, we'll have another Annotated show to talk about. I, 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 this, I, this is all doing a way of a teaser. 
I think our next episode might be a little bit more in the wheelhouse of people that listen to this show just in terms of topics. Yes, it is a little, it's industry related. Yeah, it's more industry related. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much. Have a good one. (laughs) 